You're listening to Donuts and Top Cow. Two great tastes that taste better together. Back on Donuts and Top Cow, this is episode 41, and my name is John Griggis. And mine is Josh Crawley. And we are recording straight from Westfield Comics, located on the east side of Madison on Willie Street. Westfield also has a west side location, just off of Mineral Point Road. And you can do business with Westfield if you're not in Madison, because they've got a pretty large web presence. You can shop with them at westfieldcomics.com. They do subscription service to your door. They have recent back issues, although I guess a lot fewer recent back issues. They just had a no, mega the, sale logo. Oh, no, the the recent back issues are still around. The recent back issues. Uh, so these were just back, the back issues. These were ancient back issues from some like the late 80s that there was like a case of one book that no one ever wanted. <laughs> well, and I'll tell you how much, uh, how much they ended up weeding out. They did a... Uh, email broadcast out to their local pull list people that if you want shelving, come over to our warehouse and pick up tons of shelving. And I guess that yeah. lasted a couple hours before those were claimed. But you know that you know you're getting rid of a lot of books if you're also finding yourself with a lot of extra bookshelves on hand. In any case, go to westfieldcomics.com and check out what they got to offer. And even if you don't shop with them, if you shop, uh, if you buy digital comics, there is a link to Comixology that helps out Westfield if you go through their link. And there's some uh, pretty interesting blogs, one of which is written by Mr. Josh Crawley himself. So check that out. These days it's mostly me uh, going through previews, recommending some stuff that maybe uh, tends to get overlooked. And if you're interested in any non-Top Cow recommendations Josh might have. The, his blog is probably the best place to go. Although there's plenty of Top Cow on there, too. There's lots of other cool stuff that we all appreciate. So now today here, episode 41, pilot season voting has been closed. It is done, and we're going to just do a wrap-up of pilot season this year, the whole pilot season program. The end results, we might as well start with the spoiler to begin with, but the unofficial results show that The Beauty, with a late surge of votes, won pilot season 2011. It was a pretty tight contest. It, it wound down to two finalists, Theory of Everything and The Beauty. And Theory of Everything was leading for probably most of the final round voting week. And then a late surge of votes from fans and maybe from Jeremy Hahn's tweets. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I, uh, got some late votes. I'm not going to lie, I uh, voted for the beauty in that last round. Uh, I didn't make it till the last couple days, and I, I only voted twice. It wasn't like I just kept hitting refresh or anything. Of course, I suppose you could only vote once a day, couldn't they you? They did. By the time the yeah. final round had, they, they had it so that you could only vote once a day. And if you tried to vote again, they'd say, oops, something happened, wait a minute yeah. and vote again kind of thing. But Though, the reason I voted for the beauty was because it was trailing when I voted, and I just wanted it to be as close as humanly possible. Well, I know on the last day of voting, so this was Saturday the 14th, I looked at it early in the day. It might have been Friday the 13th, and it was exactly 50-50 wow. for Beauty and Theory of Everything, which surprised me because I, I thought Beauty was definitely a, in, in, you know, was running behind and wouldn't win, and then it, it came out and pulled out. Now, 
Beauty, I'll just start off with that. Beauty was my favorite of the eight from the beginning. Actually, from, well, it was the third book to come out. So from when it came out, which is saying something, because I think that this year's pilot season was very strong to start with. Uh, let's just run through in order of release, and we'll kind of then we'll talk a little bit about ranking where we want to go and things like that. But uh, the first book, in fact, we did an episode about the first two books, The Test and City of Refuge, so we won't talk a lot about it, but pilot season got off to a super strong start, I think, with The Test, uh, particularly because of its creative team, Josh Hale Fialkov and Rashan Ekadal, who we know from the Echoes uh, miniseries that also took place this year. And there, uh, what I like is each uh, author was told to give a, an eight word description of their pilot season pitch, kind of like the, if you're in an elevator and had to pitch a book, what's the eight word way to go? The horrible elevator pitch. Here's the elevator pitch. Desperate Housewives meets Lost with more dead bodies. Hmm. I, uh, I got annoyed with Lost definitely near the end. Well, probably sooner, but, um. Never seen Desperate Housewives, but I, w- I want to read more of the test. I do, too. That was one of the ones. I kind of did some number rankings. I, I made a column for story and storytelling. I made a column, well, which are different. I think the story is different from the storytelling. is more like the art. Um, story and dialogue and art and gave them numbers and kind of came up with a numerical score. Because I already did it based on my subjective thought. And what's kind of interesting is that the numerical score exactly reflected what my list was and hmm. this one uh was the my my number two book and i think it was this one i thought had a strong story more than anything and um i and, and deserved to make it further than it did i think i didn't quite do what you did i'd actually planned on just ranking them um didn't quite get that far but uh, the test, I would say, was in the top half of the bunch for me. Yeah. Definitely. Um, like, I definitely want to read more of it. And that's, I guess, the one thing. The column that I was starting to write that I didn't populate was, do I want more of this or not? And there was a yes oh, for this one, yeah. for sure. Um, I think of the eight, well we'll, well, we'll get to that as we get to the books. So. so I hope that the test kind of comes back somewhere. What's nice about the pilot season if you're not familiar with pilot season, uh, well, you really should be because it's a, <laughs> kind of a staple of if the you've top house stable. This long. And what I've heard about the origin of pilot season is that uh, Matt Hawkins was watching TV with his wife, and it was like American Idol or one of those elimination shows, and it just came up. Well, why don't we do this with comics? Because they're it's it's popular and it's also fun. Everybody gets a chance to get up and do the best they can and make a showing, and then people vote on who makes it to the next round. So I guess it's, uh, you know, American Idol meets Survivor or something like that, perhaps. Uh, So that's a pretty good idea, and they've been doing it for several years. And I forgot where I was going with this. It's evolved. Like, the voting's evolved, the number of titles has evolved, the themes have kind of evolved. It has evolved, and this this is the... Largest number of titles to be released. Sometimes I think, I don't know, it seems like some stuff got maybe a little rushed. Um, There were looking at Looking at logos, um, some look 
well thought out. Some just kind of look like it was, all right, we need something, and not that it's bad, but it just kind of looks like a little tweaking. Yeah. Some stuff could maybe uh, pop a little more. But, but they all did get trademarked, so. Uh, the, the next release was City of Refuge. And as I mentioned before, we did already talk at length about City of Refuge. Uh, the creators there, Morgan Davis Fole was the writer and actually is credited as screenwriter. And the artist is Dennis Calero. And the eight-word description of City of Refuge is a world without crimes or a world without crimes peace is violently shattered. Dot dot dot. Bum bum bum. And this one also was a solid issue. Uh, the writing was good, the dialogue was good. The story was, I don't think, as interesting as the test. It was really similar. So when the test in City of Refuge came out, it made me think boy, I wonder if there's a theme that all of the books have to follow where it's, in, in some cases, it's kind of a, you know, it's a, there's a disoriented style to it. Some people don't necessarily know where they are, or how they got here, and how do I, you know, move through this. Um, and I had this one ranked. This was like the, my third favorite of the eight that came out. This, uh, this is bottom half for me um it, it was just but that was the concept didn't quite work for me but we talked I, I don't need to talk anymore about that we talked about that right. quite a bit but yeah that, for me that was just a concept issue that didn't jive with me um and i don't so that one's not on my list of ones i'd like to see again i, I wasn't terribly interested in it um i did like the artwork for the most part uh, moving on, the third one to come out was uh, the eventual winner. It was The Beauty. And The Beauty's eight-word description, uh, it's uh, co-created and co-written, and the art is from Jeremy Hahn. And the co-creator and co-writer is Jason A. Hurley. And their eight-word description in their interview, I guess they didn't, I guess they had a back and forth. They didn't stick to eight words. So. Oh. <laughs> so my eight word description. Darn you, Jeremy and Jason. Are, are, more, are more than eight word description. I guess the Jason Hurley said, two cops, one disease, no cure in sight. Although Jeremy Hahn didn't like that. And then Jeremy Hahn came up instead with, when beauty is contagious, who wants a cure? And I, I liked the beauty for a few reasons. What it is, the basic premise is that there's a disease that is a virus in the world, and it makes people beautiful, and it's transmitted sexually. And oh, yeah. So it's, a, it's what happens if there's an, an AIDS-style epidemic that people actually desire because it makes them appear, makes them physically attractive, it makes them seem more healthy. And there's a lot more involved when you get that. It's not as, uh, like with anything, it's not as easy as it gets. Sometimes when you get what you wish for, it's not as great a picnic. Long-term side effects that aren't so pretty. So the story was intriguing. Uh, it's There's definitely some sexual overtones to it uh, as opposed to violence. Um, so you already hooked me on, on any yeah. concept when it comes to that kind of thing. And um, I, I thought it was well done. I'm looking forward to reading more. I'm glad I'm going to get to. 
and I thought the art was beautiful. Yeah, I uh, I want to read more. It's top half for me. So, uh, yeah, that's. So congratulations. If that ends up, like I say, they're unofficial results. Top Cow hasn't announced the final tally, uh, but uh, and they took the poll down after the 15th. So, but but on the 15th, as of that Sunday, it was slightly in the lead. Yeah. So I'm gonna assume that it'll go. Can't imagine it'll take too long just to make sure there wasn't some goofy script that oh there were votes cast for this, right? Some Autobot or something. Yeah, dangling chads. Imperfect. Uh, timed succession or something. I don't quite know what phrase I was looking for there, but I think that mostly did it. The next book to come out was Flesh Digger. Flesh Digger! Which had a cover by Francesco Francavilla. If you know him from speaking of Black Coat, Josh yeah, and I were Black talking Coat. about some Black Coat earlier. Or maybe uh, Black Panther, Most Dangerous Man Alive, or Detective Comics, or what else is he working on recently? I don't know. Chances are good you've seen some of his work, or at least his covers. Or if you follow him on Twitter, he posts lots of awesomeness that he seems to be able to just pull out of thin air no, really fast. No, I'll have to find him. I don't follow him. That's oh, cool. yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, definitely do that. So Flesh Digger, it was co-created and co-written by Shannon Eric Denton and Brad Keane. And both of them are, uh, they work in Hollywood, they work with uh, cartoon properties, they work with comic properties. And the artist is Alex Sanchez. The description that, that the writers gave of Flesh Digger is bloodthirsty, vengeful, decomposing, frightening, uncompromising, combustible, slithering, and moist. Um, it tells you a lot about the artwork, <laughs> but it doesn't really tell you about the story. And the basic story, as far as I recall it, is you have a, looks like a mixed martial arts type fighter who is kind of a middle-of-the-road fighter, fairly talented. He's out and about. He witnesses an assault on a woman. He gets involved, and he basically gets over his head. He starts beating up some of the people who are assailing this woman, and he ends up getting plugged in the head and killed and then buried near the burial, like a common burial ground of these thugs. And then somehow he becomes reanimated as a... Uh, nasty, gooey thing. Really nasty, gooey That's thing. That's a little moist. With the power to assume. <laughs> yeah, so all those things. So fairly interesting. Definitely sitting squarely in the horror genre. If you're, into, if you're more into horror and gore, then this book would probably appeal more to you. Uh, Moral of the story? Well Moral of the story? Don't be a good Samaritan. You will get shot. <laughs> I guess that's, maybe that's why I didn't like it as much. So this one wasn't. Uh, this one was a little was in the lower half for me. Um, not a bad book and semi interesting. The one thing that I liked about it is that you could. Uh, I think you just flipped by a Tim Seeley pick pin I, back there. It's actually Kelly Jones. Oh, there's Tim Seeley. Yeah. So there's a couple pinups in the back. One's by Kathy Jones with color by Hi-Fi. Kelly Jones. And <laughs> the other one You is said Kelly Jones the first time. I and the other I... one is by art by Tim Seeley with color by Carlos Badia. And that's that's a pretty sweet... Oh, and it's got Cassie Hack on yeah, there. Yeah, that, that's who that looks like. Well, it looks like her legs. Looks like her legs. It's oh, her, yeah, it's legs. It's her bat with the nails sticking out. 
So, yeah, that's sweet. Glad you noticed that because I was just going past it. I guess what I was going to say is of all the eight books, this one was most like a one-shot. So I felt like for the character, I would would read another Flesh Digger story if it came out. I wasn't, like, crazy about it. I'm not a big horror guy. Um, But this was the most one and done of all eight. All eight left some pretty dangling cliffhangers maybe maybe seraph as well was was closer to a one and done my big issue with this book was and i do want to read more but it's in my lower eight partially because the first four pages had some pretty tight artwork Mm. the next two pages were a little uh things seems to be slipping a bit and then the rest of the pages just seemed noticeably different because I don't have a problem with the fact that seven months later, the girl from the beginning of the book is wearing the same clothes. Because, I mean, it happens. Yeah. Find a nice outfit, yeah, yeah you're going to wear it a few times. Right. But, um, I should say, yeah, outfit, you're going to wear that combination. Um, but, like, yeah, I just, well, I'm just looking something at seemed it. really off. Like, Well, if you look at the first, like, you're talking about the first four pages, yeah, that's, that's exactly where it changes. The... The, the inking lines are a lot more subtle, and then you get towards the back of the book when it starts when when Flesh Digger basically is personified. It's all really, really heavy black lines as far as the. Yeah, I don't know if maybe those were you know some pitch pages, and then the schedule came out, and it was we have to get this done, but it just it doesn't seem the same level to me. Yeah. Jarring, it was jarring. Not a bad entry, though. No, no. I like I said, I would, I would read more. I would read more, and but this book wouldn't necessarily get my votes with some of the other ones here. Theory of Everything is the fifth title, and this is this is uh, made the final round up against the Beauty. La Bonita. And their eight-word pitch is, oh, they've completely disregarded the... Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, but then they, re, they redid it. A brilliant scientist solving crimes in alternate realities. And there's definitely some space and perhaps time travel. Um, you have... There, there are a couple things that distracted me from the story, Just and it's just my you know, ridiculous details type thing, but it basically follows the story of a down-on-his-luck scientist who was really cutting edge on uh, basically the whole transport concept and um, a lot of physics and how to how to jump from one dimension to another. And he just became so down on, luck, on his luck because the things close to him, like animals or his wife in one case, would get too close to the experiment and become vaporized and it turns out well maybe they weren't vaporized maybe instead they were just transported somewhere and so there's some back and forth but somebody had his intellectual property and has been using it to commit crimes so then they brought him in to try and stop it as it comes out like i say he was down on his luck he lost his job again he was with a community college and so i guess this is this is the first thing that distracted me out of the the story as he was basically doing some experiments, and then he got thrown out of a community college, and then they told him as they threw him out that, uh, you know, you're out of here, you're no longer an employee of this community college, and all your research grants are gone. 
And those were two details that lost me because one, I mean, community colleges aren't research universities. They just yeah. don't, they don't do it. And the other two is that grants are generally given to the individual, not the institution. And so um, ah. they wouldn't throw him out because they would lose the grant, not him. So, that I didn't know. Yeah, and so that, and, and you know, that's just what a little BS ticky tech thing, but it was enough that it took me out of the story. Hmm. I, it did a little bit for me, um, but I kind of I let it slide because I thought about that MATC building downtown here in Madison. And oh, I'm yeah. like, it's a big building. It looks a lot it like that. It can look like that. It might not have one building for the science department being a community college, but I, it didn't bug me as much. Um, Theory of Everything was created, uh, it was written and created by Dan Casey. And the artist on it was Thomas Natchlik, who we last saw in the Last Mortal miniseries with Philip Sadler. Oh. Yeah, I was trying to remember where I recognized that name from. I feel horrible now that I, that wasn't why. Um, maybe it was the color on the artwork that just... Yeah, I... Because it's, it's a different... It's a bit of a different style. Um, it's a little different... Style, although if you put it up right up against Last Mortal, it's very similar. Okay. And I and I kind of like the art style better in black and white. You know, <laughs> colored. I don't know that it improved it much for me. But I uh, this was definitely one of my high top half books. Um, yeah, I had this. Uh, this this came out for me. It was number four on my list of eight. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. The next book to come out was Misdirection, which is basically takes a NASCAR type driver. And oh, you know what? Before we go any further, though, yeah. I would definitely want to read more Theory of Everything. Oh yeah, I'm in for more Theory did of we, Everything. Did we talk about that already? We well, we have been talking. Of, we have not about Theory of Everything. Okay. So yeah, definitely more Theory of Everything. Yeah, we got, uh, and, I, and I'm hoping because it was number two that maybe there will be some interest. If there's some more already written yeah. or created that it could come out somehow. Um, the Misdirection is the next book to come out, and it's a um, kind of like NASCAR meets. The Transporter. Yeah, <laughs> something, the uh, little bit of. Uh, I'm a What's that movie you like with the Fast and the Furious? There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a. I was just gonna say I'm a huge fan of Fast and the Furious. Um, the first Transporter, second one, third one's atrocious. Um, ask me sometime. I'll go into more detail. But uh, and you know, driving isn't one of those things that normally can be well done in a comic. You know, it's. That's uh, true. That's a good point. They did do you know, a good job of that. Car likenesses and stuff, but yeah, in here, like it was pretty well done. Like that, I thought the actual car action panels and sequences, um, and you know, it wasn't just oh here are guys in the car, but even the shots of them in the car. Yeah, I thought were done really well. I, I mean, yeah, for being a a book about driving cars, which generally only work well on the screen great but uh this might be my top book it's a fight it, it's the top of the top half for me misdirection is created by philip sablik who also wrote the book and the art is from chris debari who yeah josh is right did a did a nice job with the with the 
car scenes, which is most of the book, really. And it's a, it's a former professional racer who got into some trouble, so did some jail time. And then after he's out and, of jail. And he got some tattoos. He, def <laughs> he definitely got tatted up while, uh, while away. And he, you know, like anybody, you know, recidivism is tough. And you get yourself out and you try to live a good life. But sometimes you just, you're already associated with some bad folks. And you find yourself in the middle of something. And he basically found himself in the middle of a situation that he didn't sign up for. Uh, he was just going to be a driver to transport somebody. Turns out he was a getaway driver, but he did such a great job of getting away, and that's you know where it, where it comes. What do you what do you take when you get the Michael Jordan of driving and you put him in as somebody who can get oh, you out of? Situation? But he hasn't gotten away yet. He hasn't. So there's definitely cliffhanger on this. This is definitely not a one and done. I, um, you know, I think as far as wanting to read more goes, this is the one I really really want to read more of. The eight-word description from Philip is high-speed action, fast and furious meets the fugitive. Well, there you go. There you go. I, that's pretty good. I guess that's pretty well described. I it. suppose I could have liked it a little more if he would have thrown Underworld in there, but, um, you know, I mean, I, the book couldn't have been too awesome, otherwise it would have blown my head up probably. So yeah, this is a definitely was a top half book, Josh's favorite. The next book out is Anonymous, and Anonymous was created by Matt Hawkins, who is the president and COO of Top Cow. And Matt has, well, he's pretty active in the pilot season. He's had several books coming out. The writer of the book is uh, Alan McElroy, and the art was put in by Michael Montanon. Yeah. Now, letters for all of this from... Troy Petrie! The great Troy Petrie. I guess, you know, it seems it seems with Top Cow it goes without saying because he, he pretty much letters everything Top Cow puts out. Or quite a bit of it, anyway. And I know Phil Smith did covers. Or colors. In this issue, yes. Yes. So the eight-word description of Anonymous is a modern-day kung fu meets the equalizer. This is going to sound horrible. I have no clue what the equalizer is. <laughs> um, equalizer is kind of like a trench coat enforcer operating outside the law, but along with the law kind of guy. Is he a fat guy with a mullet like Steven Seagal? No, he's like an old, he's an, <laughs> he's an old guy, actually, with like a, oh. with like a flat top. Um, I'm trying to remember. Okay, that's pretty badass. Who you would know? Uh, I'll, I'll Wikipedia it later. Yeah, he's kind of like a, kind of like a heftier Brian Keith almost. Who? <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, we span the generations here at Donuts and Top Cow guys. Um, yeah, Wikipedia. It's uh, it's not bad. The only reason I knew the Fugitive is because of the movie, not the TV show. Right. Yeah. I'm a youngin. Well. That act, all of this is making me feel young. That doesn't happen that often. <laughs> That's good. The Ano Anonymous follows a uh, war veteran who is basically presumed dead, and in some ways that's better for those he left behind. He finds himself in a situation where he can kind of come in and out of situations and not be known 
He's definitely a skilled fighter. And uh, at one point, there's a... Is she a district attorney, I guess? Or just the... Uh, I, you know, I actually wasn't sure. Um, she's, a, she's either a prosecutor or a detective. I assumed she was... I think I... Wow, I just read it yesterday. I should know. Um, I th think my impression was she was, like, internal affairs, maybe? Yeah, it's something along those lines. And I suppose, yeah, not internal affairs. She'd have power to go after the dude she wants to go after then. And she's fighting some maybe. corruption, and then the corruption yeah. finds her. And um, he's helped people in abusive relationships and um, came back around. And in the end, there's a big cliffhanger where she's just about to be done in, and then he comes out of nowhere with a with an automatic weapon and attacks her assailants after taking out most of his cronies. So it's uh, he warned him. He did warn him. He warned him to stay away from her, and he didn't stay away from her. So it's one, a, it's a pretty dark book. It's a pretty this one's weird for me. Um, it's in my bottom half. Yeah, it's my last book on the eight, I guess. But despite that, I want to read more. Um, the artwork didn't really do it for me. Um, it just seemed it seemed a bit too loose in places, and I don't have issues with loose. It just this looseness wasn't appealing to me um, in the line work. Um, the coloring's pretty great. It's like a nice washed out. Yeah. But yeah, there's something about the line work didn't really do it for me. Um, which might have been what put it in my bottom half, but I, I want to read more, definitely. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, because it's my last book on there, but I would pick it up if it was coming out. So that's kind of interesting. Then the last book of the eight in pilot season is Seraph. And Seraph is created by Lance Briggs and written by Phil Hester with some story uh, help by Lance Briggs. I think it's the, the main, you know, the main origin story of Seraph. Pencils by Jose Luis and inks by Sandro Ribeiro. And this is a character that Lance Briggs has had, I guess, in his mind for years. And I'm sure on more than one of these books, it's a idea that's been kicked around. Uh, we talked a little bit about that with Phil Hester when you had him in for a signing a few months ago at the store here, and they were getting ready for that. But their eight-word description of Seraph is not a modern-day kung fu meets the equalizer. That's what I want to say. <laughs> uh, the the eight-letter one is actually Phil and Lance both gave one. Um, Phil said, Sinner made avenging angel by order of heaven. And then Lance Briggs is the chosen one must become heaven's greatest soldier, and that's uh, both are pretty descriptive of what you get. You you have somebody who committed suicide and went to heaven and was made the instrument of heaven, the instrument of God to come down and avenge some things going on. Down I was there actually a little confused by that. Because it looks like he's going to heaven, but then later on it mentions he was not supposed to go to heaven. Yeah. Well, he was like intercepted, I guess, and but made an angel anyway. So he became this avenging angel because there's there's more evil brewing on the earth that they need 
someone corporal to fight the the evil on the earth and so he's been selected to be that avenging angel that that fighting angel i'm still gonna go with confused only because see there it looks like he's going up and then yeah. he gets rescued from going up right i thought i was felt that he, he was yeah i guess so because you got the fire well, that's interesting then. Because then later the it's like, oh, he wasn't supposed to go there, and I. It confused me. There, there's a chance we'll see more of this along the way, um, as we talked with Bill and some of the other things Lance has, and this isn't the only idea Lance Briggs has. And most, most people should know, I think, who Lance Briggs is. He is a an oh. all-pro linebacker for the Chicago Bears. Boo! And, uh, Boo! Got a Packer fan here with me, so not a big fan of that. And I can be professional about it. I do like how Lance you know, lets his geek flag fly when it comes to oh, comics. Yeah. He's, he's unabashed about his love of comics. He's genuine with it. He wants to create them. He wants to read them. He had, for this book, Seraph, Probably one of the biggest signings I'd ever seen in a comic shop at Challengers in Chicago. Yeah, that was... I re- I don't remember exactly, but I recall, yeah, now that you mention it, I recall that, and it being pretty, pretty busy. And now, you know, a big reason, of course, is that it was in the middle of football season, so I, <laughs> I saw the pictures. <laughs> yeah, just about everybody in line to get Lance's autograph was wearing Bears gear from head to toe, so... Um, if, if that's what it takes to open up a few people's minds and eyes about comics and what comics can be, uh, that's worth it. So I definitely applaud what he brings to the table to try to get more people to cross over and check them out. I totally would have worn Packers paraphernalia. Yeah, I wonder how he reacted to that. Well, you know, he <laughs> he wants to get paid, and the, the Bears aren't famous for that, so he'd probably have been fine. He'd probably ask to, you know... I don't think that he's – I don't know that he's going to be in Chicago next year, but we'll find out. Ooh, interesting. Hmm. Packers could uh, use a little help on defense. Just saying. Yeah, a little, <laughs> a little bit of help. This is uh, – we're recording this episode not quite a week after the Packers were pretty much taken apart by the New York Giants. Okay, but in all fairness, and Ro- Aaron Rodgers was really professional about pointing this out. He's like, you know, we didn't play the greatest, but they have a great defense. They do have a great defense. You can't play like they did yeah. and hope to win. And I'm not trying to defend anyone, but something no one seems to be bringing up most of the time is the death of the offensive coordinator's son. The offensive coordinator who, from what I've heard, like, treated a lot of the guys like they were his own children when they didn't have anywhere to go, like, say, for the holidays, when, you know, they couldn't make it out of town for whatever reason, he'd have them over. I mean, that's, like, which makes, then, his son, like, your little brother. I mean, can you imagine... It affects you. I mean, it Half the offense has the lost team. their little brother. Pretty like, much. Yeah. That's not going to be in the game. What's the, uh, the other... The, the parallel is what happened with the Colts a few years ago more than a few years ago when Tony Dungy, their coach's son, committed suicide right before the playoffs. And you are not listening to ESPN Radio. (laughs) (laughs) We're just showing you how well-rounded we are. We can be geeks about more than one thing, but... Hey, I I won... I'm having a donut, though. We've got... I won one of my fantasy football leagues this year. You did? I did. Like, with a record of... I think it was a regular season record of nine and... 
five. And then he nine rocked and it out four. the playoffs. And then in the other league, which uh, there's some comic folk in there, Ron Mars got me into it, uh, Ian Feller, Gary Reed. I got the uh, best of the rest in that one because I went on like a spree. <laughs> like it was horrible all season except for like the last four games, which, yeah. I was like, I think it's time for me to retire from fantasy football now. Go out on top. Yep. Mm, mini cake donuts. Yeah, we got mini powdered. cake powdered donuts. Somebody somewhere who detests sports is relieved that I'm talking about donuts now. <laughs> but these are, I would guess that you can get these mini cake donuts in your hometown, since these in particular were manufactured in Edwardsburg, Michigan. And I, I, I know of no fewer than three places that this exact line of donuts is, is sold in this town. Manufactured by BBC. BBC. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but I got... These, I think, at Capital City downtown, and it's also at Woodman's, and then I saw them this morning at PDQ, so you can get them everywhere. They've made it this far from Michigan, yeah, I would assume they're probably as far as Pennsylvania, maybe down in Kentucky. Nice radius. So, just to wrap up, pilot season voting is done. My top one was the beauty uh, that's the one I really voted for from when it came out. Uh, Josh's top is Misdirection. And I I would buy all eight of these titles if they came out. I thought all were well thought out. They were all unique. They were all uh, pretty well presented. Um, like I say, some, better, some we enjoyed more than others, just depend on personal preference. And it was a strong Top Cow pilot season. I'm still undecided whether I like it or not to read books this way, especially with it not being done in one type stuff. I guess I would prefer it if more of them were more complete stories because instead on, on at least half of these, they are dangling with an unresolved conflict that I'm just never going to know the answer to unless I try to nail these guys down and buy them a beer at a con somewhere. Yeah. it's t I, It can be tough, though, because figure you need to have enough unresolved that people – have an incentive to get that story finished. Do you but think I suppose you do need to have some little bit of resolution for it to be maybe a satisfying experience. I guess I'm more in that code, but so you're saying that people might be more likely to vote if there was a cliffhanger. They might be compelled to vote more because yeah. they want to see it. Um, I guess maybe... Uh, it's going to be a horrible example um, for an obvious reason, the beauty. The story may be, I mean, and, you know, we obviously don't have the entire story, um, but then it kind of is the story necessarily just about this infected person and maybe trying to find, a, you know, his cure or... Or is it about what's happening in the global society? Yeah, yeah. it's, you know, I mean, it. you can kind of take it. Obviously, the focal point, theoretically, is going to be that character, but that doesn't mean that, you know. I mean, if he'd been like, oh, I'm cured now, well, oh, there's a cure, that's kind of boring. So does he, I mean, maybe as a single-issue pitch book, is it, oh, he knows, he finds out there's a cure that's been hidden, but no one's releasing it, so maybe is that the resolution, yeah. for example, that, you know, some could do? 
Well, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, and I know that there is a collected edition of these books in one volume coming out uh, sometime over the next month or so. Which you can find on the Top Cow website. There's a calendar. It was uh, recently right. updated. If you go to topcow.com, they have a calendar tab at the top, and you can see what the release schedule is moving forward. And right. the pilot season books will come out. I, I hope you pick it up if you don't have these issues. The one thing I did like about it, it was is it's fun to read new stuff. You know, a lot of times we just get stuck in our pull list, and it's fun to kind of branch out and feel like a kid again where you go to the store and there's, you know, whatever superhero number 252 is out there and you just picked up the book and you read it six times because you just want to figure it out and it's fun. So these are fun. We uh, Before the show, we tweeted out that we were going to be talking about the pilot season and asked which ones uh, people are voting for. We did get a early response from somebody who's really feeling it lately, Donnie Stewart. Donnie won a contest. And he said the beauty cow. all the way. I don't know if that's influenced <laughs> at all by the contest, but Jeremy Hahn did a uh, contest that if you retweet out a call to vote for the beauty, you could win a an, an original art page from the beauty. That's right. I mistakenly said he won that Top Cow contest. It was that contest I was thinking of. Yeah, and it was Donald Stewart III that won that one. So uh, he was in for the beauty. I'm in for the beauty. So I guess we mimic the voting. I, uh, oh, speaking of the calendar, real quick, um, I noticed the next four issues or so of The Darkness, uh, finishing up Phil Hester's run leading into issue 100, is going to be shipping bi-weekly, it looks like, so uh, keep an eye out for those. A fast and furious finish for The Darkness, and, up uh, until 100, of course. I'm going to pimp myself a little bit here, and some of my friends, uh... Well, when Tim was on last, we discussed a little bit about uh, Four Star Studios' double feature, and the most recent issue, action number three, um, has an Athena Voltaire short story by my friend Steve Bryant with uh, some colors by Chad Fiddler, Jason Millay, and Jim Nelson, and letters by yours truly. Yeah, so get over to Four Star Studios, because you can pick that up for only 99 cents for the PDF. Yes, they are DRM-free PDFs. Uh, if you have a fancy schmancy iPad, they have the cool features where you can kind of strip down the letters, the colors, the inks, get down to the raw artwork and stuff. It's, uh, pretty cool. Pretty cool. And I guess the last thing I've got is kind of an assignment. If anybody who is listening lives over on the left coast and you will be planning to go to the Image Expo, which is taking place in the last weekend of February, Drop us a line. Email us at dtcpodcast at gmail.com. Get a hold of us at our Facebook page or find us on Twitter at dtcpodcast. We'd just like a little uh, on-the-street reporting done from the Image Expo. Top Cow is going to have a panel there. They're going to have a pretty large presence, of course, because it's an image con, basically. And let us know if you're going to be there. Yeah. News and announcements will be coming out. It's all fun. So until next time, have a great week. Good journey.